0: Well, good morning. Hey, guys. (laughs) Say good morning and your kids are in the front row. They say, hi, dad, back. So I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Um, I kind of feel like we can just say amen and be done, right? I mean, wasn't that amazing? That was unbelievable. Um, Man, yeah, thank you. That was just incredible. Well, my name's Nate Severson. Oh, here's a piece of candy. Anyone didn't know there was one up here? There you go, Jake. You got it. Perfect. Good catch. Good hands. My name's Nate Severson. I'm the youth pastor here at Hillcrest Covenant Church. Uh, no relation to Mark Severson. Uh, it's just kind of weird that we're both serving in the same church with the same last name. That is not very common, but that's just the kind of way, way it is. Um, when Mark asked me to share this morning, the first thing that popped into my head was a tweet that I read not too long ago. And I wanted to read it to you as the youth pastor. Um, I thought this was kind of funny. Um, how many of you guys are on Twitter? Anyone follow someone by the name of Church Curmudgeon? Okay. If you haven't, it might be kind of fun to follow. I follow him. And Church Curmudgeon said this about the youth pastor preaching in church. thought I'd share this with everybody. I thought it was kind of funny. He says this. Love it when the youth pastor preaches, don't get his jokes, don't get his hair, don't get his points, but he's done in 30 minutes, so I'm all good. <laughs> Isn't that good? So you should follow Church Curmudgeon. If you're not following Church Curmudgeon, you might want to follow, follow Church Curmudgeon because it's, it's got some good things to say, good honest things to say, I should say. Um, let me pray for us as we get started this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity we have to come. And Lord, we don't come as just people sitting in chairs looking at a service, but Lord, we come as full participants. God, we get to celebrate the fact that you rose from the dead. And God, I pray this morning as we celebrate that, Lord, it would not just be empty words that we shout out to you, but God, that it would be our life that we would give to you, Father. Lord, I pray that revival would break out in this church. God, I pray that you would do things that we can't even explain with our words. God, I pray that you would blow us away with your spirit this morning and that we would see you in ways that we've never seen you before. Lord, you have risen. You have risen indeed. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to start off by sharing a story about a time when I was in India not too long ago. Uh, When I was over in India, one of the things that the group that I was with did was we went to church um, at this incredible church that was connected to an orphanage we were working in. And the orphanage was called the Ashram. Maybe some of you have been there. Um, I know some people from our church have gone there before. Um, But on the Sunday that we were in church, there was a man who was sharing his story. He was sharing the story about how God got a hold of his life. And I wanted to kind of start off this morning by sharing that story with us, because I think the story fits with what we're talking about here. The fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And it's not just a historical thing that we point to, but it's it's something that literally has changed human history. And so this man got up on a stage and and he introduced himself and he got my attention right away. You see, he used to be a part of a radical Hindu group that used to go around beating Christians and burning their churches down. And so him and his group went to this one church one day and they they interrupted right in the middle of the service and they beat up the people in the church and they burned the church down. And after the church was burned down, the police showed up and they wrote up their report and they had everyone arrested. And they walked up to the pastor of the church who was sitting on the ground. And you can imagine if you were that pastor, right? And the people in the congregation, you're probably thinking, Lord, what in the world is going on? Here we are, we're worshiping you. Here we are, we're trying to get to know you. And and we get interrupted. And not only does our church get interrupted, but we get beat up for you. You can imagine discouragement, anger, frustration, all those kind of things probably filled their minds. And so when the police came up to the pastor of the church, they had a piece of paper. And on the piece of paper, they had all the charges written up against the people that had just done what they had done. And they said to the pastor, we just need you to look at the sheet of paper, read through it and sign off that this is what happened here. And the pastor stood up and he looked at the sheet and then something happened. Something happened that was unbelievable. He looked at the man and he looked at the group of people that had just been arrested. And he looked at them and he said to the arresting officer, I'm not going to sign the sheet. And he took it and he ripped it up. He ripped it up and he threw it on the ground. And then he looked at the man. And he said, here's the reason why. I believe in the risen Savior. The God that we worship here is not going to be stopped because of what you did. And I believe that the God that we worship is so powerful that not only has he changed our life, but I believe he's going to change your life. And as a church, we're going to rebuild this church. And not only are we going to rebuild this church, I believe that you are going to preach the first sermon when this church is rebuilt. Because I believe that God has his hand on your life. And I believe that God is going to use this experience to get your attention. And that you're going to see a picture of God that you've never seen before. So I will not sign this sheet. And I look forward to seeing you someday when we rebuild this church and you preach the first sermon. Through a long story of all sorts of different experiences, this man was telling, he had given his life to the Lord and he preached the first sermon in their church. Amen? Amen. You know, something happens when you and I come face to face with the reality that we worship a risen savior. Something happens in our life and we can't do anything about it. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But you know, in the in the passage that Lori read so well, in John chapter 18, we see this in or John chapter 20, we see this incredible story of the risen Savior that comes, but the disciples didn't know. And so they're hiding in this room, in, in verse 18, it says they're hiding in this room because they're filled with fear. They're anxious, they're discouraged, they're confused, they're stressed out because they don't know what to do. But then something happens, right? Something happened in that room that literally changed everything. Something happened in the room that changed everything because the disciples, they went from being anxious, and when they left the room, they were filled with courage. They were filled with confusion, and they left the room, and they were filled with purpose. They left the room, they were or when they entered the room, they were filled with discouragement. When they left the room, they couldn't take the joy off their face. When they entered the room, they were filled with fear. And when they left, they had this peace about their life. And they had a purpose for living. Why? What happened in that room? You know. What happened, Chuck? uh, Exactly. That's exactly right. Think about that. They went in with all these negative emotions and they're filled with all these words that, that describe something that that doesn't that didn't represent who Jesus was. And when they had a face to face encounter with the risen savior, it literally changed everything. I believe that when you and I see Jesus for who he really is as the risen savior, it literally changes everything. And my prayer for us this morning is that we would not just go through the motions of retracing the historical facts about Jesus' resurrection, but that we would see it so much bigger than that. That we would see the resurrection as being the backbone of everything that we do. That the resurrection of Jesus was, was there and, and it's a gift that God gave us. And this morning, what I would love for us to do is, is, is to throw our life up against the story of Easter. And so we're going to look at the meaning of Easter. And we're going to look at the meaning of Easter against our life. Not against the person next to you, but against our life. And ask some really honest questions about how are we doing with Jesus? Because we believe that he is the risen Savior. And we believe that God has designed each of us to be in a relationship with him. And so I pray this morning that when you leave here, And that when I leave here, there's something different about your life and there's something different about my life. That we don't just leave here and say, wow, that was a really cool service. We sang some great songs. We had some really good time together and we heard some good words. But I mean, if we just leave and that's that's our expectation, it's like we're here for entertainment. We're not here for entertainment, right? Like we're here that the risen Savior would get a hold of our life and change us forever. And that is the prayer this morning. So I want to invite you to come along in this journey. As we, as, as we worship the Lord, and as we think about the three most powerful words in Scripture, He is risen, right? Is there any more powerful words in all of Scripture? I don't know. I can't think of any. He is risen. And so let's go on a journey together as we, as we look at what it means that He is risen, as we look at the meaning of Easter. So the first meaning I'd like to talk to us about this morning is the fact that the resurrection is the backbone of our faith. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the backbone of our faith. Hear these words from 1 Corinthians 15. It says this, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by 12 apostles. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 apostles of his followers at one time. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the backbone of our faith. I want to show you a video right now of one of my heroes. And he's going to talk a little bit about the resurrection and the difference that it's made in his life. A lot of you maybe might be YouTube fans here. Any u two fans here? Okay, certainly know who Bono is. Bono, this is a video, uh, interview that recently was done with Bono. And I want you to hear these words as he talks about the resurrection and the difference that it's made in his life.
1: I look to the scriptures for poetic truth, um, as well as the sort of historical stuff I'm, I'm, I'm interested in. And, of course, there was a historical Jesus. No, I'm talking about God. Oh right, and and do well, I you, see I, the, per, the person of Christ is my way to understand uh, God? Do you pray? Yes. To whom or what do you pray? To in Christ. Right way to Christ. Yeah. And and what do you pray for? I pray to get to know um, <laughs> the will of God, because then the prayers have more chance of coming true. I mean, that's the thing about prayer, isn't it? I mean, we don't do it in a very lofty way in our family. It's just a bunch of us on the bed, usually. We're a very big bed in our house. And all our, we've prayed with all our kids. We, we you know, we just, we, we read the scriptures, we pray. It's not even regular. Sometimes if we go to church on a Sunday, we go when the church has ended, and we'll just go in on our own as a family. For peace and quiet. For peace and quiet, and we'll pray usually about people that we know who are struggling with something, um, illness so, so or whatever. So, what or who was Jesus, as far as you're concerned? I think it's the, it's a defining <laughs> question for a Christian is who was Christ, and and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or a, you know, because actually he went round saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God, or he was not. not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic yeah. complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth, for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I think therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes, yeah. I'm into, uh, I mean, no problem with miracles. <laughs> living around them I am one so so when you pray then you pray to Jesus yes the risen Jesus yes and you believe that he made promises which will come true yes
0: I do isn't that amazing you can see the difference that the resurrection has made in his life it's the backbone of who he is and so the question for us this morning for us to ponder and to think about, and not just think about, but really throw it up against our life is this. What difference has the resurrection made in your life? The fact that he has risen. The disciples walked into the room distressed, freaking out and not knowing what to do. And when they left, they left with courage and hope and they changed the world. Why? Because he has risen. The second meaning of Easter the first is that the resurrection is the backbone of our faith. The second meaning of Easter that I'd love for us to throw our life up against is that the resurrection is a sign that God loves me and that He pursues me. I'm going to say that one more time. The resurrection is a sign that God loves me and that He pursues me. I love Romans five eight. It's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ Jesus to die for us. That while we were still sinners, he died. While you and I as broken people were sinners in the midst of our brokenness, God didn't wait for us to become perfect and get it all figured out. He died for us in the midst of our brokenness. While we're sinners, he died for us. I think the empty tomb is one of the greatest pictures of an open door to a relationship with the living Father. I think the fact that the tomb was empty is one of the greatest pictures of an open door for a relationship that you and I can have with the risen Savior. The tomb was empty, and Christ had been risen from the dead. The resurrection was God's way of booming a crystal clear message to you and to me, that He loves us, that he wants us, and that he will do anything for us. One of my favorite stories in the Bible that that I think illustrates this really well is a story of when Jesus um, was approached by these religious leaders. And there's a woman that was caught right in the middle of adultery. And all these men have stones, and they're ready to stone this woman. And as they have their stones in their hand, they say to Jesus, so Jesus, you know, this woman has clearly broken the law. What do you think we should do? Important question, right? And, and, and after this question was asked, Jesus wrote in the sand a little bit, and then he says these words. Well, the first of you that hasn't sinned, throw the first stone. And one at a time, the people dropped their stones and they walked away. And after they walked away, it's just Jesus and this woman. And they're standing there, and Jesus has this encounter with her. And and Jesus is like, well, where did they go? Someone says, I don't know. And, And then Jesus looks at her, and he says, well, let me just say something here. I want you to leave your life of sin. Leave your life of sin. I don't condemn you, but please leave your life of sin. And I love that story because if you think about it, Jesus tells these men, he says, well, the first of you who hasn't sinned, throw the first stone and they all drop their stones. But who was the one person, according to what Jesus said, that could have thrown a stone? Jesus, right? And he didn't ignore the fact that what she had done was wrong. He told her to leave her life of sin, but he gave her this incredible gift called grace. Grace. And I think people, when when we embrace the fact that the resurrection is about a God that loves us and pursues us, we get to see the fact that in the midst of our mess, the risen Savior is not saying, well, I'm done with you. He's saying, no, I can't give up on you. We did this fun series one time with our middle school students, and we talked about things that are impossible for God, which sounds like a crazy thing to say. It almost sounds heretical for the pastor to say that, right? And one of, the th- one of the weeks we talked about it's impossible for God to not care for us. It's impossible for God not to care for us. And this woman got to be front and center and see this lived out for her right in front of her face. You see, the resurrection reminds us that God is pursuing us. And he can't stop. And so as we worship here this morning, and as we, as we celebrate the risen Savior, I want to remind you and myself, that right now God is pursuing you and he's pursuing me. And he can't stop. He's not going to stop. Because while we're still sinners, what did he do? He died for us. And not only did he die, we get to celebrate the fact that he rose from the dead so that you and I might have life to the fullest. And so the question for this point is this. How does it make you feel? How does it make you feel to know that the risen Jesus is pursuing your life right now? How does it make you feel to know that the risen Savior is pursuing you at this very moment? And I would say there's it's, it, there's evidence that He's pursuing you right now. If you're trying to think, oh no, He's not doing that. Hey, where are you right now? We're here. We're here together, worshiping the risen Savior. And I would challenge you and I would challenge myself to not miss the point that Jesus loves us, he cares about us, and he's pursuing us. Why? He's not pursuing us so he can shame us and tell us all the things we're doing wrong. He's pursuing us because he wants a relationship with us. And when we get to see him for who he really is, we get to see something about him that maybe we've never experienced before that will literally change us forever. So the second meaning of Easter is that the resurrection is a sign that God loves us and he pursues us. The first is that the resurrection is the backbone of our faith. And the third meaning that I'm going to challenge all of us to embrace with our life is that resurrection is not about what we give up, but about, it's about what we give over. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not about what you and I give up, but it's about what we give over. We talked about this at our Ash Wednesday service as we kicked off Lent right in this very room. We talked about how oftentimes during Lent, it's really easy for us to figure out things that we're going to give up during Lent. And forget about the fact that Jesus didn't die and rise from the dead so we can give up something. He died and rose from the dead so we can give our life over to him. That is why you were created. That is why I was created. You know, in Johnson County, it's really easy to give something up during Lent. Why? Because we have so much stuff, right? We have so much stuff. And so when we give up something during Lent or whatever it is, oftentimes it really doesn't cost us much. Because we have so much other stuff going on in our life. But when we give our life over to the risen Savior, we are saying, God, I am not going to control my life anymore. I'm going to give control over to you. One of the best images I can think of what this looks like is a tandem bicycle. You guys don't know what a tandem bicycle is, right? You think of a tandem bicycle, you know, for a lot of my life, I live my life like I was on a tandem bicycle and it was me and God riding together. And we're going all these great places together and here I was steering away and God was right with me and I thought that was awesome. But you know what the reality was? Is that, I realized through a lot of circumstances that that's not why God created me. I thought it was cool that God was with me, right? He was pursuing me. But I realized that I was in the wrong seat. I was sitting in the wrong seat. And I needed to change places and say, okay, God, I'm giving my life over to you. And I'm going to put you in the front and I'm going to get in the back, and I'm going to trust you. I'm giving my life over to you, and I'm going to trust you that you're going to take me where you want me to go. And you're going to steer, and you're going to guide the way, and I'm just going to trust that no matter what it looks like, my faith is in you. Man, I was blown away this last week when, when I, um, I was watching CNN, and I saw the mother of Reed Underwood, whose 14-year-old son one week ago today lost his life. It was tragic. It was horrible we all saw it and you know what blew me away though more than anything was this mom who stood in front of a camera tons of cameras and millions of people and she got up and she talked about how important the resurrection meant to her and she didn't necessarily use those terms but she talked about her faith and she said you know what's getting us through this is our faith because she had given her life over to the risen savior One of my favorite stories is a story of a guy by the name of Derek Redmond, And I want to show us a video here in a second, but I want to set it up real quick. Derek Redmond was a runner for for the country of Great Britain. He was a sprinter, and he ran the 400. And he was one of the greatest runners in the world in 1992. And he had qualified for the 1992 Olympics, and and he he was in the semifinal race to, to make it to the medal round. And I want to show the video of what his race was like. And as I show this video, as you watch this video, I would love for you to think about your life and what it would look like for you to give your life over to your Heavenly Father. And I'll just let the video play, and I think you'll see what I mean. But we'll talk about it here in just a moment. I love that story. My daughter, Mackenzie, just whispered in my ear, did he lose? I just said, no, he won. He won. He won. I mean, that was his dad, for anyone that doesn't know, that came out of the stands. And I think this story of Derek Redmond, and I think that image is such an incredible image of what it means to give our life over. Here Derek Redmond is. He's flat on his face, laying on the ground, he can't finish the race. And he gets up and he starts hobbling and he's limping and he's, he's going along. And out of nowhere comes his dad, right? And he puts his arms, arms around his son and he says, let's do this together. You know, the reality is, is that when you and, get, you and I give our lives over to the Lord, we realize that we can't do this on our own. We can't do this on our own. It's impossible. It's only possible if we trust our life to our Father to carry us on to the finish line, right? While you were still sinners, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for us. And he didn't just die so that we might just go through the motions. He died so that we might have life and have it to the fullest. Another story in Scripture that I just absolutely love is a story of when Jesus is on the cross and as he's, he's hanging on the cross, there's two thieves that are hanging up there with him. Now, you've got to understand, to be on a cross, to be crucified back in the day, it was their form of capital punishment, right? You've got to do something really, really bad. And, and so, so one of the, one of the um, thieves is talking all this trash on Jesus, and he's saying all these things about him. And, and this other thief kind of sticks up for Jesus, and he's like, what are you doing? What are you saying all these things to him? He's done nothing wrong. You and I are up here because we have done something wrong. And we're paying the price for it. And then this thief looked over at Jesus. And you know what he said? He said, Jesus, remember me in paradise. You know, this thief, think about this for a second. There's nothing this thief could, could, could give up, right? All right? Like, he, it, wasn't, it wasn't like he could give anything to the Lord. He's hanging up on a cross and he's about to die. The only thing this thief could do was give something over. And that was his life to Jesus. So here's the third question. What would it look like for you to give your life over to the Lord? Not just give something up for him, but what would it look like for you on Easter Sunday as we celebrate the risen Lord to give your life over to him? We could spend hours and hours and hours passing the mic around to all sorts of different people in this room that would love to tell you the difference that that has made in their life. And as we close today, I would just love for all of us to wrestle with that question. To wrestle with that question. And my prayer for you is that you would say, I'm in. Lord Jesus, I'm in. I'm ready to give my life over to you. You have risen from the dead and you can have all of my life. I'm ready for you to be on the front of the bike. And I'm ready to get on the back in my rightful seat and trust you with everything. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. And God, I thank you for the story of Easter. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you have risen from the dead. And Lord, we can celebrate that with full confidence. And Lord, just as you inspired and changed the lives of the disciples after they were face to face with you. Lord, I pray that you would inspire us in ways that would cause us to not just think that you're this really good idea, but to give our lives over to you. So, Lord, as we sing this last song and as we, as we uh, lift our hearts to you, Father, speak to us and draw us close to you. In your name I pray. Amen.